listening to Stramash. I am your host, Ian Simpson. Good evening and welcome to Stramash number 39. Uh, it's the 23rd of February 2012. It's just me tonight, uh, your host, Ian Simpson. And we're going to start off tonight's slightly reduced show with a fantastic song by a band called Decade in Exile. This is Patty's Town.
best starts ever to a podcast that I've recorded. Uh, we started off tonight's show with a band, a secretive UK band, uh, sort of based around London I think, uh, called Decade in Exile uh, and their track was called Patty's Town. Uh, it was from an eponymous four track EP that came out in June 2011 and uh, they described themselves very um, minimal, in a very minimalist, minimalist style as a cross between Sonic Youth and Engineers. And uh, if you check out their Bandcamp page or their free music archive um, tracks, which is where I found them, there's tons more music for you to enjoy. And uh, the track just played was uh, a Wellington, New Zealand band, um, which I stumbled upon after listening to the Hell Is Now Love record label sampler from Bandcamp. And uh, the band was called Hollywood Fun Downstairs, and the track was People Like Us. How are you doing? It's been uh, it's been a long time. It's been a couple of months since the last Dramash, um, but this one's been a long time in the works. Uh, January's been fairly busy, but I actually started recording this um, or putting the tracks together early February with uh, an idea uh, and the idea in mind of getting it out in time for the Valentine's weekend. That didn't happen, but um, there is an, a a quick turnaround for Stramash Forty, which is going to come out. Uh, in mid-March and it's a very special one so look out for that tonight is um, a kind of new approach for Stramash so it's slightly shorter time slot uh, there is um, more emphasis on freely available music rather than uh, stuff which might need the odd um, payment shall we say um, and also I want to uh, try and bring other people into the podcast so tonight I'm very proud to um introduce uh, the artistic director of Bali Nouveau Colorado, um, Garrett Amon. And uh, Garrett was kind enough to uh, be interviewed over Skype uh, just at the weekend, just past. Uh, Garrett's in, De- in Denver, Colorado, and he has just finished a production of his ballet called Love in the Digital Age. And this is um, an experimental ballet which has been uh, choreographed by Garrett, but um, the soundtrack is made up of artists and musicians which uh, either he knows through local uh, local links in Denver or he has found uh, through sites such as SoundClick, um, sorry, SoundClick, SoundCloud, um, Free Music Archive, Bandcamp and things like that. Um, Garrett is a very articulate and intelligent um, interview so I most of the time let him uh, talk because he has got some fantastic um, fantastically passionate ideas about how uh, the artistic communities should come together and and how they do come together in Denver and um, I found his I found his uh, passion quite inspiring um, and he also has some some great tips for uh, bands, which I'm going to follow up in the, in the coming weeks. So I've split Garrett's interview into um, two or three sections, which we'll play through the course of tonight's show. But what else are you, uh, should you listen out for? Well, there's a track from um, Paper Birds, which is a Denver-based band, um, and that's a live track from one of the university radio stations there. There is a, another secretive UK artist uh, called... Oddbox uh, and Neep. I hope I say how you pronounce it. Neep, Nheep, and uh, another band C four one eight. It's kind of mix of uh, well, mix of electronic and um, rock tonight. I think it is. And um, we've got the Garrett interviews all the way through. But if you want to get in touch with the show, if you if you think ah my my band should be on this podcast, then you really need to get in touch uh, and let me know about it. I've set up um, a couple of new ways of getting in touch. Um, if you go to 
Facebook, if you have Facebook and you type in Stramash Podcast, um, there should be a new page uh, with the new logo, which you should be seeing if you're looking at this podcast on your iPod or on iTunes. It's got a new Stramash logo, um, so look out for that. And if you could like that page, I think you can post to it. You can get in touch with this me somehow. I might just post a, a little message up there and give you a means of getting in touch. Uh, if Facebook's not your bag, then there is a Twitter account which is called Stramash Podcast, or sorry, at, at Stramash Podcast. You send a message to that, follow uh, the Twitter feed, you can find out more about the individual artists tonight. Some I'll post some links on the Twitter account and the Facebook account as well. Um, lots and lots of stuff to talk to you about tonight, but I think I'm going to um, just give a little bit of the time over to Garrett. And this is the first part of uh, my interview with him earlier this month. Enjoy. I've been kind of reading up about you a little bit on uh, your website or the, the Valley Nouveau Colorado website. At least um, you seem to have, you've been there five years now, just about five years. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And has it always been as sort of choreographer and artistic director or has your role changed over the years? Um, I actually became an artistic director um, with this job five years ago. Before that, I was a dancer and choreographer at Ballet Memphis. Um, and then I also uh, was a member of Trey McIntyre Project, which is a contemporary dance company. Um in its first iteration as a as a summer touring company, and um, then I also danced with um, Oregon Ballet Theater and Houston Ballet before that. Um, I'm I'm glad that everything went well with Love in the Digital Age. It seems like you were getting some fantastic reviews. Yes, it was it, it was really wonderful. Um, the the entire project just um, came together in such a beautiful way. Um, and I, I want to thank you again for uh, allowing your music to be a part of it. Oh, not at all. I mean, it was it was wonderful that you you got in touch to ask. Um, I, w- I wasn't expecting it. Um, that's it's quite an old album, so um, I was I was quite excited when you got in touch. You know, obviously you found it through was it Free Music Archive? You f- Free Music Archive is where a lot of the music came from, uh, and then we also had some local artists that um, that submitted work uh, from here in Denver. And then um, I believe one or two came from SoundCloud as well. So, so you, you obviously had a, a good idea of where to find unsigned music before you began the process. Is that right? Yeah. And that's actually, um, I, I, I've always been kind of a tech geek and, um, and, and I've been really fascinated with um, uh, the Creative Commons movement and the sharing of of um, art in that way. I, in the past, I've uh, used Flickr to uh, source images for productions um, and so forth, as well as uh, some um, like um, archive.org for some video footage. And, um, and, and so I've used a lot of things like that, as well as uh, a lot of public domain um, footage. So that's kind of how this entire project came to be was as, as I continued to explore and find more and more, um, I thought that what a great opportunity to create an entire show around that as the, as the impetus behind it. Right. Okay. So this is the first show you've really gone all out and used, um, unsigned artists, music and, and visuals. I saw some of the visuals on Vimeo, um, from the show or one of them at least, which looked amazing, but was that was that something that you found and got in touch with the the artists involved, or did they create that for you? Um, th- that was actually uh, I collaborated with a digital artist here in town. He's a programmer, and um, he's he's created um, stuff for the Black Eyed Peas and some other things. And um, so it, it, that was actually a friend of his who's also. Uh, um, also lives here in Denver and he so he kind of roped some of his friends into creating uh, specific sections for um, for the work so uh, it ended up being uh, though though um, Chris was the main digital artist 
kind of bringing it all together and he did a majority of it he also um was able to pull these things from uh from other people as well and that one that one was created specifically for the show okay that's that's it was it was great to to see um because obviously when uh, we first got in contact with each other uh you showed me some um sort of rehearsal videos so seeing some of the visuals which would have gone and you know into the this sort or of finished show um must have been totally totally different i mean was that in your head at the beginning or or were you quite open to other people's ideas and let the the show develop that way yeah we actually um what i did with with chris was we just kind of started compiling all of this stuff together and I started uh, creating in the studio and he would come to rehearsal and uh, kind of check out what we were doing and then also um, we just kind of really used our instincts uh, on on where we were headed. Um, the great thing about uh, uh, collaborating like that is you don't really know where where things are going to head and then you get to kind of riff off of each other's ideas so um but but we kind of went into the entire project very much on the same page so um the he he was really able to bring um bring things to the table that didn't overwhelm the um the dance um uh, like so the 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 music that was bigger and more um like some of it was more like club music and so forth he uh kind of went all out with the visuals and then other thing we did some stuff that was much more uh folk and and um traditional music and he went really minimal on those things and and kind of stayed within that aesthetic so so we we journeyed down the road together but um, uh, but uh, uh, kind of left it open to um, to each person's interpretation, and I think the one the one piece that you saw um, that artist actually never saw the dance rehearsal, but he was given some. Uh, Chris gave him some uh, some direction on it um, of where what it was like and so forth, and then he created those visuals, and then it all came together beautifully on stage.
That was absolutely beautiful, wasn't it? That was a paper bird. Singular, not plural, sorry uh, for mentioning the, the wrong name earlier. And that was a track called Pennies. And that was actually a live track, would you believe, recorded um, for KVDU, which is the university uh, radio station in Denver, Colorado. And um, thankfully, uh, they... they um, KVDU recorded quite a lot of bands in their studio and they, they put it on Bandcamp as a freely downloadable and Creative Commons, uh, so shareable, um, album. So thanks to them, I was able to uh, play that track. Um, Paper Bird are an eight-piece folk jazz Americana uh, band from, obviously, Denver, and they describe their music as joyful. And I was compelled to listen to them when Garrett got in touch with me in the middle of January um, to ask if he, if I would mind if he used Tin Hearts from the album Montague's Lunchtime Special in his production of Love in the Digital Age. And of course, I'm not an idiot. I said, yes, please. And um, as well as showing me some of the rehearsal videos that Garrett had been working on uh, for the show, he passed on a link to the collaboration he did with Paperbird, um, which is a ballet called Carry On. And um, basically, he worked with the band to create the music and the ballet. Um, and it's, it's a lovely uh, video, it's a really high quality video, and I, I recommend that you check it out. The music is very good as well. And you can actually buy the soundtrack, which Paperbird have recorded, and it's available through their Bandcamp site, which is actually, I didn't realise that you could do this, but it's, it's a nice little um, embedded window inside their Facebook site, uh, which you can get to by going to paperbirdband.com. In a second, I'm going to play the second part of the interview with Garrett Amon, Artistic Director of Bali Nouveau Colorado. And... Um, Garrett's got quite a lot uh, to say. I mean, um, we—he was very candid about. Um, well, he answered every question that I put to him, basically with as much consideration as um, it's like it's like he had the questions in advance, which he didn't. But we talked. Uh, we talk a lot about about uh, the issues that. Will probably uh, is probably going to affect um, musicians and artistic directors and and anyone involved in the creative industries uh, with this sort of forthcoming PIPA and SOPA um, acts in America and and a general kind of changing of mood towards copyright um, on the internet. Um, basically, the big boys are are, are getting the lawsuits out. And this can seriously, this could seriously affect, um, you know, venues and um, anyone who's trying to put on a, a show in the future. They have to be very careful about um, what they use because they'll be responsible for it. So um, yeah, but Garrett was was very um, open about talking about that, which I'm, I'm very grateful for. And um, yeah. I'll let you listen to that in just a second. But after the second section, which I'll probably have another sort of five-minute section of, of Garrett's interview, uh, I'm going to play you three tracks, and I'll tell you about them right now so that you, you're you ready for them. First up, we're, we have uh, Oddbox, which is uh, the, the, the nom de plume of Ollie Johnson, who is based in Hatfield in the UK. And um, his track is called Xavier part two and it's from his Cotton to Fabric EP that I found on Bandcamp and it's freely available and I highly recommend you download it. It's a nice uh, five track album I think it is, uh, released in July 2011 and um, he he's also um, quite active on SoundCloud and so if you um, go to soundcloud.com forward slash oddbox you will find a fantastic uh, remix of Rizzle Kick's track Down the Trumpets which I thought was fantastic and uh, very subtle, but you can tell there's been some changes made to it. And uh, that boy is extremely talented. And um, I think a lot of people know that. 
and it's it's only growing, so I think you should listen to him for free while you can. After that, uh, we are going to move on to uh, an Italian artist uh, called Neep, or Neep, as I'll, I'll call him, um, and the track is called Gradients, and it's from the October 2011 release, Clouds Under the Table, and this is on the Acustronica, it's probably Acustronica, Acustronica net label, uh, which is put it out. And um, I'll tell you a wee bit about Neep after the track. But um, he's extremely talented and uh, it's a nice instrumental track. I'm, ho- I'm hoping you enjoy it. Uh, and we go from that straight into a little track uh, called A Tempos by the band C418 or by the artist C418. It's only a two minute track, but uh, it flows quite nicely from Gradients. And this uh, C418 is uh, an artist called Daniel. And um, he's he lives in Germany. And he's got a fantastic biography on his site, c418.org, which I highly recommend that you um, read because um, you've got your generic sort of life story on the left-hand side. Well, it's not generic. It's his own, but um, you've got your usual sort of unsigned artist biography on the left hand side and a nice little summary on the right hand side which um, just picks out the key points and kind of takes the, the mickey out of the left hand side a little bit well it was quite quite enjoyable um, and he's, he's got quite a good um, he's got a very good opinion um, Daniel about um, he's got a nice he's got a nice uh, blog and talks about Working as as a musician for a living, and and um, you know how he's managed to find success through writing music for the game Minecraft, and uh, I, I highly recommend you yeah you read it. It's very interesting reading. It's, it's not something. It's not the kind of um, avenue I would have considered making money, but it seems to. Uh, and and Daniel is um, obviously very happy about that as well. But he seems to have a very good sense of humour, so I recommend that you look at his site. Anyway, enough talking from me. Just now let's go back to the uh, Garrett Amon interview. Uh, Garrett's the artistic director of Bali Nouveau, Colorado, and um, recently uh, produced the Bali Love in the Digital Age. Hope you're enjoying the interview. Okay. I mean, it sounds like a very creative town uh, or, or a creative area to be in. Um, I mean, obviously, Obviously, have you got a, a niche in the sort of more experimental, um, more uh, not daring, but uh, more pushing the sort of envelope of of um, how ballet and and music links together? I mean, is is that your niche, or is there quite a number of groups that are involved in that? Um, I think it, it does distinguish us um, in, uh, in the dance community here, um, particularly our um, commitment and belief in. Um, the collaborative process. Um, it, it is one of the main tenets of our organization. And um, so along with musicians that we've collaborated with, we've also, um, I've, I've done uh, two major collaborations uh, with Michael J. Henry, who is a poet here in town and the founder of an organization named Lighthouse Writers Workshop that provides um, the highest level um, uh, writing instruction to the general public. Um, their faculty is uh, filled uh, all of um, professors and professional writers. Um, and uh, so we have a close uh, relationship pairing poetry with dance. Uh, and then we've also done two major collaborations with visual artists here in town, um, working together to to uh, create productions merging visual art and dance, so that's kind of that's kind of our big thing, and um, we, we we're really delighted that the community is coming to know us for that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it sounds like a fantastic uh, sort of creative melting pot, almost. Um, I mean, a lot of I, mean, I know a lot of towns and a lot of countries uh, don't seem to have that kind of cohesion between the, the arts, so it seems seems to be working well. Yeah, I, I, we feel very fortunate to, uh, we feel like Denver is really kind of coming into its own um, in its identity um, as a 
as a uh, cultural community and it, it, that energy when you have um, so many creative people um, in one place that that all really really believe in that vision for the community the the community provides a lot of support for the arts um, and, and is deeply committed to that and and really sees um, what benefits that provides um, to its residents so um, y yeah we we kind of see it as a uh, as a renaissance for for the Denver community. Brilliant. Um, I was I was going to ask you if you don't mind um, when you, when you're sort of sitting down and, and starting to form the basis of a new show, um, especially like one like we live in the digital age. Uh, do you start off with the music? I mean, do you go and pick out tracks that you think, yeah, that fits the mood that I'm looking for, or do you actually start with the the sort of dances that you want to perform and then find the music afterwards? I mean, how how does it work? Um, yeah, and I, I think um, every choreographer has a different approach to this, and I think mm. sometimes it depends on the project. Um, for the most part, I'm a very musically driven person, so I might have a general sense of what I want the show to uh, look and feel and sound like, but the first process for me is compiling the music, is, um, is collecting possibilities and then kind of sifting through them and seeing which ones kind of stick with me and um, experimenting with what order they go in and how that how that feels and 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 what that whole energy is and then um, after that uh, I, I will take that music into the studio with the dancers and um, start creating with them so I don't create any steps until I'm in the studio with the dancers and the music um, and uh, kind of allow that process to unfold um, through uh, through the influences of everyone in the room. So it is definitely um, for for me personally a very uh, music driven um, process. Brilliant. This maybe sort of taking a, a more sort of darker twist at the moment. But what do you feel about sort of the upcoming copyright laws? I mean, I, I know America's got the the SOPA. Um, Copyright Protection Act or you know, Intellectual Property Act that's coming out. I mean, how do you feel that's going to affect um, your area of, of creativity? I mean, if if that kind of law comes in, is, is it going to affect you greatly or, or, or not make much of an impact? Have you got any? I, I think the... the uh, for me personally, I think the, the general concern is just... Um, uh, the arts have have a tradition of of um, uh, of riffing off of each other's ideas and and uh, I mean so much so much of what we take for granted today is not the product of um, a, a single individual or a single entity but the product of an ongoing conversation and the the concern would be those restrictions um that it, because you know artists are artists are generally very honest people and they want they want to approach their what they do and how they engage life in, uh, with integrity um but it, and and um to to place these kind of constraints on them that that whether they are um perceived or not um it, it can create a lot of fear and um, fear is not a good thing for creativity. And, um, so I think all of these things have to be approached with a lot of, um, a, a lot of thought. It's a complex situation. And, yeah. um, I think people try to distill it down to this really, um, simple thing and it's not simple and it's not, um, and it, it and it, it puts a lot of people's, um, lives um livelihoods in the balance and um and i think i think artists all over the world are struggling with this reality of of how do you um, make a living doing what you do um when when how we value things and and how things can be reproduced has changed so much dramatically but but um coming at it from fear and trying to protect 
everything that you have is not necessarily the right way. I think um, I think the approach of sharing um, that uh, because in the end, the creativity belongs to everyone. It, it's part of our humanity, and if we can learn, if we can learn to to value that better um, in our daily lives, then we can we can more easily share that amongst each other. And I think that's the beautiful thing about the Creative Commons movement, and um, and these new platforms for sharing is that. It, regardless of what avenues these um, these legal issues um, um, open or close, that artists do have the option to opt into sharing um, to and create that clarity around it for them for for people to be able to say, okay, um, there might be all this confusion over here about what's legal and what's not and who gets paid and who doesn't. But, um, over here we have a whole bunch of a whole bunch of artists all over the world who are saying, yeah, but I want to share my stuff and I want people to, um, to be inspired by it and, and, um, create and, and, um, be inspired, um, through, through this, these other avenues. So, um, so I don't think it's going to be an issue. I don't think it's an issue that's going to be solved anytime soon. But I think no. what we as artists can do is continue to help spread the word and uh, among artists um, about the options. Because I run into so many artists who are not even aware of Creative Commons, and um, and it often surprises me. But I think that's um, a product of uh, you know depending on how. Uh, how comfortable they are with technology and um, uh, the way that they kind of engage their art form that can vary broadly. But that's, I, I think that's one thing that we as artists can continue to do is not only raise our voice to, um, to the people that are, are um, responsible for helping make those decisions and make those laws, but also um, continue to raise awareness of how to, um, how to, um, share and protect yourself um, within that within the context wherever that heads. Yeah, that's a, that's a very positive uh, sort of way to approach it. The fact that you you know if you if you increase the knowledge about the different options and in you know like you say communicate and collaborate with others, then that's that's working your way towards a, a good solution. I like that. Um, you you keep on um, sort of referring to um, engaging the community and engaging sort of the. the 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 creative um community worldwide i mean we we started communicating through twitter is that something that you see as a a good medium for musicians and and um artists like yourself in in the future um absolutely i think i i think that's one thing that i've learned a great uh, learned a great deal about through the process of of exploring collaborations is um coming to realize that Often when I connect to a piece of art, whether it be um, music or visual art, um, usually if, if I'm having kind of a, a, a um, visceral reaction to it, um, almost inevitably when I reach out and connect, contact that person, we end up having um, a, kind of a mutual um, uh, shared perspective on our world and and that's probably exactly why I've I've connected to it right is that even mm. though I don't know the person through their through their art I know something about them that that um that connects and um what what social media has allowed is to open up those lines of communication um and and help realize um, how open people are. I think before social media, it was very daunting to kind of um, say, okay, I found this piece of music and I don't know who this person is. And well, I can find an address for them and, and I can write them a letter or I might be able to track down their phone number. But it may, it created a perception that um, that accessibility wasn't necessarily um, um, there, and in reality, it usually always is. And yeah. um, 
and 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 it kind of breaks down those barriers of 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 um, that perception of of um, removal. I think, especially in the arts, even for me as being an artist and engaging in that all the time. Sometimes I'll look at a, I'll, I'll listen to music or whatever, and I'll think, oh, well, I can never talk to them. Um, but in reality, their, their, their life is no different than mine in how they're engaging what they're doing. And social media has kind of allowed that to, to, um, to, um, open the door to, to those conversations because most of, most of the artists that I've, like the music that I've used are all, um, all have Twitter accounts or Facebook accounts or um, whatever and are very easily found in, and uh, are happy to talk.
I hope that totally sucks you in. Um, I love that sort of uh, last section. The opening track was Xavier or Xavier Part Two by Oddbox, um, followed by Gradients by Italian band Naheep. And I'll tell you a bit more about them actually. Um, like I was saying, Naheep are based in Italy. Now, the kind of suggests it's Assisi, Italy, you know, dwarf with hands backward and all that. Um, but it seems to be uh, organiser or sort of, um, yeah, managed by uh, drummer, composer and uh, drum teacher Massimo Discipoli. And uh, he's based in Prussia. Um, and he's been creating music under the name Naheep since 2007, which he says is a mixture of jazz, electronic, post-rock, avant-garde and experimental. And uh, I think this must be his third album. Third album, perhaps fourth album. But uh, they are all very good and, and very well reviewed um, by online blogs and and, and uh, actual sort of paper-based magazines. So I recommend that you check out more of his work. And uh, the last one, which you might not even notice the, diff- uh, the sort of the change from gradients into a tempos, but uh, a tempos was the last sort of two minutes of that set, and uh, it was by the German artist C418. I hope you enjoyed it. Well, we're coming to the end of the show, actually. And um, it's taking a lot longer for me to record than it has for uh, you to listen to, I think. Uh, Mainly because I lost 15 minutes um, of recording because of a really weird buzzing sound which was in the background of my recordings and I couldn't work out what it was. And um, I tried unplugging, because I'm recording on the iPod, so I tried unplugging the iPod from the laptop, which was charging, and I, I tried reconnecting the microphone and nothing was making any difference until I realised that I was sitting in the kitchen uh, with my back to, yes, the fridge. And that was it, so uh, the fridge is now unplugged. So, um, yeah, don't do this at home, kids. Unplugging fridges could be dangerous to your health or something. But, um, yeah, I haven't really told you much much what, what I, about what I'm doing, eh, because uh, Garrett has been... Uh, telling you about what he's been doing. But uh, since the last show, which was before Christmas, I've been um, focusing on not writing any songs or recording anything, so nothing much has changed. But I have actually been working on the sort of structure of an album and it's taking shape. I told you last time about uh, recording the first track, um, which is finished. And uh, from then, I, I was doing a little bit of uh, research for... What was I looking at? I was looking at Project Gutenberg, which is um, this Google project, or I think it's Google project. Um, you get to it through Google anyway. It's maybe not Google project, but basically the Gutenberg project is attempting to digitise... Um, old, rare, out-of-print books, or just books in general. And I was having a little look and, and just seeing if I could find something um, which I wanted to read, shall we say. And I stumbled upon a book of poems uh, by this author called Hattie Howard. And I had, I mean, there's very little on the internet about Hattie Howard. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But I found this, um, yeah, this set of poems, sort of turn of the century poems about Hattie Howard. I know why I found it. I was looking for something to do with the work, and I was. It was about Charles Rennie Macintosh, and so I was looking for something in Project Gutenberg on Charles Rennie Macintosh, like a biography or something. Um, 
but nothing came up. But this uh, book of poems by Hattie Howard came up. And so it was quite a, quite a, a lengthy book. And I just flicked at random to a page to read to see if it was worth it, because I do that sometimes. And I came up, I just stopped right on this paragraph of text, which um, I was going to read to you, but, but I, haven't, I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> but it's called The Unparalleled Toboggan. It's a poem by Hattie Howard, and, and um, it is fantastic. I won't, I won't, I won't spoil it, but, but it's, it's, it's really, really good, and it's inspirational. So it's now formed the, the entire structure of the, the new album. So leading on from the track I recorded last time, um, I now know exactly where it's going, and um, it's all down to this one poem. So it's, it's, it's amazing. The, the. Um, the chance find of a poem, but anyway, so that's that's what I've been doing. Uh, I haven't been uh, meeting up with the Grassic Gibbon songwriters group for a while, so I hope they're all doing well. If they listen to the show still, although um, Crevet no longer has to stand in a shed, I know that to to pick up the the show, he can just download it and play it whenever he wants. But I think. Well, the next show, uh, Stramash 40, is going to be entirely dedicated to the album release of my best friend's band. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just going to do that because um, it's their first proper studio album and they're going on a wee tour around the east coast of Scotland. Um, even though they're from Dumfries, they're travelling up and they're doing a wee tour and I think that that deserves a little bit of a special show. That and the fact that the album is actually really good, um, and you will hear quite a lot of it in the next show. So hopefully you're looking forward to that, and other stuff as well. I think other stuff will come into it. But yes, get in touch. Uh, use the new channels. So uh, listen. Dot two forward slash smash will take you to the iTunes um, page for this podcast. But if you want to get in touch, if you want to find out more about this, the artists, I've got. The list of artists played tonight sitting in a Word document in front of me with the, the links to their websites and everything and it's all ready to go and it's going to be posted onto Facebook um, very, very soon. Um, probably before the show is live actually, so you've got a chance to look at them. But get in touch, tell me what you want to hear. Um, Lindsay um, has been sending me suggestions tonight uh, through Facebook about what bands that I should play but I'm, they're Swiss cover bands Lindy it's not going to happen um, and I don't like Lady Gaga so it's it's, it's definitely not going to happen your, your, your tastes have changed they've warped for goodness sake um, where is this Lindsay that had all the, the New Zealand bands um, that I never knew about you, you, you've, you've been warped by Switzerland, you need to change it um before it eats your life, I think that's that, that needs to be done. The the other people I have to say hello to are Martin Coots, Mark Hay, and um, Greg, of course, because I spotted Greg Bryant on my Facebook page when I was recording this tonight. Oh, David James Facker as well, who's uh, uh, saying that someone's got in trouble over Union Tez Gardens Facebook cybercrime. Yes, um, I noticed that. No comment on that just now. Apart from the fact that I'm quite hacked off, I'm not getting to vote. But then I don't live in Aberdeen, but I do use it. Anyway, never mind. Um, that's that's a political hot potato that I'm really not wanting to go into. So, yeah, get in touch with the show. Use the Facebook site, uh, which is, uh, if you search for Stramash, it comes up. Um, very, very quickly. There's a group, which is the old uh, group for Stramash. You're welcome to join that. Um, nothing goes on there. Uh, but there is a Stramash podcast page for you to like. And there's a, that's where 
their future show notes will be posted. The blog no longer exists, it's been deleted. But it was a bit of a hassle to update anyway. Uh, and if you want to uh, go onto Twitter, uh, there is a, a Twitter account which you can follow, uh, which I'm pretty sure I will just check. Check the professionalism of this show. Um, Stramash. It's not Stramash Music Show. That's something totally different. Uh, it's not Stramash the Celtic Folk Rock Band. It's not a modern whiskey event held in Edinburgh in May 2012, although maybe it should be. I do have some Gleva in the corner. Uh, oh, it's Stramash Podcast. Yes, so at Stramash Podcast. And um, it will have the new logo on it very soon, but feel free to, to tweet and um, send me messages and uh, and things like that. And if you... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Vimeo. Vimeo has uh, been making lots of use of um, the Free Music Archive. It's, it's kind of linked together in a, a nice cohesive way. And I suddenly discovered that um, if you're on Free Music Archive, you seem to get quite a lot of uh, people using your music and, and playing your music. And, and, and I was perhaps through Garrett's... Um, use of my music. Actually, you used two songs. You, uh, you were saying you used uh, Tin Hearts and um, You Know Why They're Here. Or the instrumental part from You Know Why They're Here at the end. In this ballet, uh, I was on... I was, I was chosen as a track of the day on a Denver radio station, which, which I thought was just mental. Um really exciting so check well you don't have to check out it's 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 tin hearts it's the same song but um there, there's some vimeo uh there's a, a, a vimeo video of someone who is um doing a sort of photo diary of making soup or or something like that so it, it's it's very um food pornish it's it's very it's very high definition so i am I'm, i think i'm going to have to add that to my Musical biography, um, food porn soundtrack experience, something something like that. Um, yeah, I'm I'm blathering. It's it's late. It's time for me to go. So I hope you have enjoyed the show. Get in touch and let me know if you have or if you haven't. And uh, next month we will have an interview, in depth interview with Alan McClure, and maybe even Harry Thompson, and, and maybe even other members of the Razor Bulls if I can manage it. Uh, the Skype is working. Um, or they might just um, record a bit later on when they meet up with me in April. Anyway, good night. Good night for now. And um, if you get a chance, read Hattie Howard's um, book of poems and look for the unparalleled toboggan. It's It's definitely worth reading. I've been Ian Simpson, I think, and um, the Stramash podcast this time round, number 39, has been entirely Creative Commons. Um, every artist has provided their music free of charge and um, it is available free of charge for you to download on the internet uh, via their various websites. So check them out and say thank you, please, if you, you can, because it's a lot of time and effort. And... Um, for them to then give it away for nothing is just very, 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 very nice of them. Um, so mind your manners and say thank you. Good night. See you next time. <laughs>